Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hupka, a chapter past president and a member of the Pop Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. And I'm Leticia Niago, the 2022 president-elect. We also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing the founder and director of the Centered Leadership Institute, who spent the last 10 years training and coaching thousands of professionals on high-performance skills internationally and in the USA, Dr. Frauke Shore. Welcome, Frauke. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Well, we're thrilled that you're here. Today's topic is corporate learning strategy and execution. And I know this is one of those topics that tends to be of real interest to just about everyone in the talent development strategy, whether you're building it, whether you're benefiting from it. So we're really excited to get to learn more. And before we do, we would love it if you would tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Happy to. Um, so I've been in learning and development for the last gosh, 15 years, at least <laughs> a long time. Um, I started with the uh, degree in organizational psychology that put me on, on the path and uh, then went into my own company, Center Leadership Institute, um, and actually went from there to going internal into uh, companies to, to do the same work. Um, so large companies uh, with, um, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, but also startups, uh, 200, 300 people. Um, and then most most uh, recently, actually, I've been working with high growth companies that typically bring me in at the 1,000-ish uh, employee mark and then kind of grow from there uh, in a rapid growth. Uh, what I found over the years is that my sweet spot is really building uh, in high growth companies, uh, scalable foundations for leadership development, career development, professional development. So that's really my sweet spot. And that's what I've been operating in for the last many years. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. And some great variety in some of those experiences. I bet a lot of that really helps when thinking about what it's like to start building strategies. So for today's conversation, I think that's probably a great place to start. When thinking about corporate learning strategies, from your experience or from the work you've done, what defines a corporate learning strategy? It's really a, a combination of a lot of different things. Um, you know, what is it that we see in employee engagement data that people find they're not getting enough support, they can't do the best job um, they, they want to do? And that's really what it comes down to for me is really defining how can we enable people to do their best job now and how can we set them up to get the right skills in the pipeline to grow over time in a meaningful way. And so for me, it's a combination of looking at, at the input that we're getting through employee data, through our HR business partners that are really connected to the business, um, and, uh, and really understanding how to, to uh, understand, figure out solutions that can scale with a company over time. Um, so building blocks for yeah, the right leadership development. So you really start creating a path and a journey that managers can follow along and build, build their skills over time. 
Um, and the same is true for career development and professional growth for, for everyone in the company. How do you uh, get the right skills for now? Uh, so you, you, you really do a good job in, you know, in the role that you're in. But you also think about your future and what, what kind of support do you need there? So a lot of different components to, to put that together under the umbrella of obviously the company priorities and, and how the, what the company's path is. So, so it all kind of fits together. Yeah. No, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I'm curious, are there typically components or characteristics that are often included in successful corporate learning strategies? I know you've mentioned employee engagement and data. Are there others that tend to be more present or that you often see are included or prioritized? Well, I mean, there's there's quite a few things I take into consideration. Culture is a big one. What's important to the company? Sure. Yeah, um, uh, you know, what are the core core culture components that really define not just what we do and 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 uh, you know how we get to our goals for the company, but how we operate as a company to get there. Um, so that's that's typically a really big one. And then most recent years. Inclusion, diversity, and inclusion has, has become a big topic. So, how do we uh, bring that into our learning solutions? So, we think in an inclusive way. We think about collaboration across borders. We've gotten so connected across the world, working in this remote environment. Uh, so, it's really understanding the you know how not just how do you have good meetings as a manager, how do you set up good one-on-ones, but how do you do it in a remote environment? How do you do it across different cultures? Uh, and how do you how do you connect in a meaningful way um, from that perspective? So there's more layers to it that I'm starting to build into my solutions with that in mind. Thanks for sharing that. Now, to create a corporate learning strategy, where do you recommend people begin? So as I said, I like to ground myself in data first. And data comes from a lot of different places in the organization that comes from sort of the written ones, like the employee engagement and all of those things that I just mentioned. But it also comes through just really talking to a lot of people and, and understanding what the need really is. So where do people struggle right now? Um, where do we not, where are we not able to grow because our talent, our skills, maybe are limiting us. Um, so really understanding the landscape in which the organization operates is so important to uh, to put the needle where it really matters. Now, having said that, what I find is many times we start with leadership development, having our managers get some really good foundational skills to ground themselves in um, best practices. And it's very practical many times. Um, you know, how do you have good one-on-one discussions with your teams? What does that really look like? How do you break in development conversations on an ongoing basis? How do you give and receive feedback so that, um, you know, there's redirecting, uh, conversations to, to better ourselves, but there's also reinforcing conversations so that employees know where they're on track and they can do more of, of what they've already done well. All of these things are Big skills, I find, to really just have good foundations for um, for, for for teams and for for employees to really have a direction um, that you know helps them to develop and grow in a meaningful way. Um, so that's many times where I start. I start with uh, with with our managers to carry the message of um, the culture and and how we operate in that. And and uh, as I, as I said, a lot of the 
leadership practices to develop and and guide their teams well. Now, do you think some strategies can be successful if they start within the talent development team first? Tell me more about that. What, what do you mean by that? Many times you mentioned that you start talking to the C-suite and management. Um, can we start these from the perspective of talent development and then, you know, take it out to the, the larger organization? Well, I don't know that I'm understanding fully, but let me answer it this way. Um, I typically, what we do is we start uh, initiatives with pilots. So we have a select group of different uh, different employees across the organization may also be starting with HR business partners because they're so well connected into the functions to test out things. So I'm not typically uh, introducing big initiatives to the entire company immediately, but we do sort of a step-by-step process. Senior leadership obviously is going to be plugged in. They're going to understand what we're doing and, and what the purpose is. So they're always plugged in first. Um, but where we're starting is, is typically smaller with just a smaller group of people to give us feedback and then evolve those programs from there. Is that answering your question? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it actually leads me to my next one, which is what kind of impact does a corporate learning strategy and execution has on the overall organizational performance? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. And it's a complex, uh, it's a complex thing, to be honest with you, because as you probably are aware of, uh, there's different levels of measuring success from saying, I'm just going to look at the people like the program, did they connect with the content to building, you know, new behaviors, new skills, and then really looking at, at the impact on the organization. And that last part, kind of going up the Kirkpatrick uh, models there, uh, four, four steps there, that's always the hardest one to, to measure over time. But that's also the most valuable one, to be honest with you, because then when we can actually say, well, we had managers go through, just to give you an example, the leadership uh, fundamentals program, and now their teams are performing at a higher level. Uh, maybe they are uh, getting to quicker decisions. They are driving their goals in a more independent way. That has a business impact. It does take some steps to um, to get to that level of um, of being able to get those those insights. But they are probably the most valuable to really connect back to the business um, to the business impact overall and to the to the business strategy. Yeah, I absolutely think that that makes sense. It's interesting to hear about that and also kind of gets me thinking about another question for you. What are some of the biggest mistakes that teams make when it comes to strategy execution? Well, when it comes to learning, I I think what many times is not taken into account is that when you send people to a learning initiative, whether it's a training or a self-paced webinar or whatever you, you assign to them, that doesn't make for new skills and that certainly doesn't make for new culture automatically. And and to to really set the expectation, I find that's that's really important uh, to 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 have uh, the business understand that 
skills and developing the comfort of using those new skills that you've made, you may have experienced in that learning, that takes time to build over time after the training. And then there need to be, there needs to be support and there needs to be, quite frankly, time and commitment from the business to uh, be present on that and really engage with that um, over time uh, and, and not expect amazing results right after training. That just doesn't happen very often. Culture takes time. Skill development takes time. And I think that's, that's many times a mistake to be disappointed because we had, you know, X amount of managers going through this training, but we're not seeing different results yet. Well, it takes some, some more time and, and some more, some more engagement beyond, uh, an actual sit down in a training. Yeah. I'd actually love to hear you share more about what support can look like. I know. Some of the organizations that I've been part of in the past have really fallen into that trap where there's an expectation that after training, there will be a very immediate change in what someone can do, how a team might work together. Typically, that isn't the case. It's what you are able to start to practice and what you can put into practice when you're working together that you know, it will certainly make a difference. But like you said, culture takes a little bit of time to change. So what can managers or leaders or perhaps even team members do to support one another as they are kind of going through this process? Yeah. So first of all, I like to talk about phases of learning to just really set the expectation that a training is not the end all. There's a, that's, that's one phase. <laughs> that's one way of, of getting, getting the thinking going in the, and, and starting to build muscles. But I many times when it comes to more complex trainings, especially where we really want to see a certain result, like a manager training, um, we do deep dives after. So we tease out of a more complex program, maybe one component, two components, and we have uh, sessions just to practice. So they're less structured. You're not introducing a new tool. You're literally just using the tool that you have introduced in the program in the in the initial training, and you're starting now to do some some deep dives there, um, case scenarios, playing through. Uh, how would I apply this uh, this tool? To, to a certain situation. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing that I, um, that I've done with, with larger programs is to make it a peer, peer journey, <laughs> if you will. Uh, so we have uh, a peer group going, uh, through an experience together. Um, and, and there's maybe a couple of sessions that they follow along together as a community. Uh, and then what I build around that is accountability groups. So I assign uh, some of those participants to each other as accountability partners. That's a big one. It's very hard to follow through, to build your skills after training when you do it in a vacuum. Um, so how, how can you have, have an exchange group? And we set that up in the program, live in the training typically to, to really have some first bonding and some routines, how they can work together. And then we give them some structures, how they can follow up and, and take it out of the classroom, so to speak, to, um, to have that exchange group um, as a continuous touch point. Um, we give them through Slack, you know, sort of instant messaging technologies. We give them some, some advice over time as well. So we stay connected with, with, the, with the learning group. And uh, we put best examples, you know, and we hear great examples of how those accountability groups have supported each other, 
uh, we put it out there into you know the next generation that's going through the program to give them some ideas how beneficial it is. But those are some of the things um, that I find are really helpful in in really supporting that ongoing journey. Now, I want to sort of play devil's advocate here and, you know, speak on behalf of our listeners who work in organizations where maybe talent development doesn't have a seat at the corporate table, so to speak. What can they do to impact their perception that they are indeed there as a partner? It's a tricky one. And I've been in that situation many times myself where the organization thought they had a priority around learning, but when it really comes down to, you know, which, which priorities win, it's not the highest one. And then it makes it harder to really have that seat at the table. Um, so, so I think it's, it's a couple of things that I've done and I would actually love, you know, <laughs> to hear more best practices if, if anyone else has them. But, um, I, I, I find that Connecting with your um, business support, like my HR business partners are typically my best friends. They're really connected. You've heard me say it a couple of times now, but they're really connected into the business. They know what's going on and, uh, and, and having an active exchange. And I typically have really regular uh, touch points with them that I set up uh, pretty quickly when I start, start in an organization because they can really get, give me up to, get me up to speed. They can really help me to, to get connected with the right people and uh, and you know make sure that I have the conversations at the right levels as well. Um, so that's that's definitely one thing that I'm doing um, that that seems to work. So just really building up my network. And by the way, it's HR business partners in large organizations. You maybe have an uh, engagement team, you have a talent development team. So there's a lot of other components to supporting the business where you may have some really good touch points and get insights and, and partnerships. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um, another thing is, um, uh, just, just for example, setting up roadshows. So I have a cadence that I typically set up with businesses, um, to go into the functions on a quarterly basis or so and, uh, do a roadshow of what we're working on and I customize that to the function. You say, here's how your team is, or here, here's how your department is doing with some of these initiatives. Here's some food for thought. You know, here's some things so you can bring back to, to your organization, um, to, you know, be more targeted in some of the development initiatives that are needed. Uh, so really kind of bring it back to them, make it relevant, make it something that really resonates with the functions. It's not just the, um, oh, we're doing, you know, really well. But, you know, X amount of people have been going through the manager program um, overall, but I really kind of chunk it down. I'm going to sales. I'm going to tell them, here's how many people have participated in comparison maybe to the company. Here's here's the results that I'm seeing from from that section. And here's my recommendation um, how how we should think about development moving forward. Um, so connecting the dots back to to where it matters. I think is really important and having those relationships so you can talk to people is, is just key, but it takes time and it takes work. It sounds like the role of the partnership is just so instrumental to success. It's really interesting to hear you talk about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's key. 
It's absolutely. Key. You can have the best solutions if you don't have those trusting relationships. So you right size it, you get the nuances right, you bring it out at the, at the right time with the right endorsement. It's just not going to go very far. That's absolutely right. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm curious if there are any other tips or resources that we should know about before beginning to create a corporate learning strategy. So for all of our our listeners out there who are thinking it might be time to get started on this, what kinds of tips or resources should we be paying attention to? Um, Building blocks. I always think, where can I start and how can I start in a meaningful way so that we have a core and we build over time? Um, so I start maybe with a manager fundamentals program. I, um, you know, have, have a three day session. I'm making this up. There's lot, lots of different formats, obviously. Um, but then how do I take, how do I take this group on a journey? What will I offer next? What's, a, what's the most meaningful thing next? So it's really kind of building something that works right now. Uh, but then also how does it, how can it connect over time into a meaningful journey and who's, you know, who's going to benefit from which components? How do I st- tell my story around that? Um, so I think that's one thing. Another big one, I'm big on data. Really get grounded in your data. Who's participating? Um, what are they saying about the program? Um, how are they, you know, taking that on and bringing it back to their teams? What are some of the, um, uh, what are some of the stories I can bring back and, and use that for, for more, more promotion around the business for adjustments, for improvement of, of the, the programs. Um, so I think that's, that's another really big one. And then I think I kind of implied it already. Talk about your data. So once you have data, who needs to hear about it? Again, kind of similar to what I've talked about before. How do I, how do I connect the dots for the functions, for functional leadership, for management? Um, in a meaningful way. So how do I tell my story in around the data, around uh, the impact the programs have, uh, the feedback we're getting to, back to the functions? This has been so helpful, Raquel, but we're not done just yet. As you know, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests rapid fire style questions. And each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. All right. Give us one book that everyone must read and why. I'm going to give you an evergreen, I find, at this point. Uh, it's called Mindset by Carol Dweck. I'm a huge fan. It's a very it's a very relatable book with lots of good stories around different ways of, of people applying different mindsets. And really, essentially, it's teaching you um, how to think. To, to learn and how to be successful ultimately, but how to think, how to grow, and then ultimately how to, how to get to the next level. Yes, great author. Now, what is one tool that you cannot live without? Um, so I've been really thinking about this one because I don't want to necessarily promote certain businesses, but I will say it. I love <laughs> companies like LinkedIn Learning, just-in-time learning on demand. Yes. Um, it's a great way to get uh, your organization started, especially when you're starting in a, in a similar way that I'm starting where there really isn't much in place and you want to get something in front of people that is meaningful. And this just offers you a great range of, of different learning, um, learning content, 
obviously you have to position it, but it gives you a really good start. So I just love it. Absolutely. I have heard great things and I keep hearing that. So thank you for sharing this. Now, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Yeah, I don't know if it's the best advice, but it's very valuable advice, I have to say, um, to not look for just a mentor, the mentor who's going to be your go-to person. I think that's rare. It's amazing if you can find that. But what I hear in organizations is man- many times, oh, the first thing we need is a mentorship program. And I find that you can f- you can be a lot more informal in your approach and probably more successful by just looking at what are some of the skills that you admire in other people, not the entire person and the entire package, but just like maybe certain skills, some, some things they're doing really well. And so rather than looking at that package that presents itself into like one mentor that is like the go-to person, maybe you have a couple of them. For different things that you check in makes it much easier to find people and makes you a lot more flexible to to hear different perspectives um i i i'm not a huge fan of these mentor programs as the first thing (laughs) but i think mentors come in different shapes and forms and um and, and you can find them pretty much anywhere if you look just for skills That is some really wonderful advice to wrap up on. Frauke, we are so grateful to you for joining us today. I can tell you, as someone who has worked quite a bit with corporate learning strategies, you have validated some of what I had known and you have given me so much new information. So thank you so much for such a great conversation. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here with you. Oh, thank you. And of course, Leticia, thank you so much for being a fantastic co-host as always. Yes, I'm always learning a great deal. So thank you, Farka, as well. Thanks to all of you. Yep. Oh, thank you. Yes. And of course, many thanks to our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Attend one of our upcoming programs. There are many to choose from. Simply go to dcatd.org and select chapter calendar to find out more. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.